Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. everyone. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Re- Coach Rob Rubina. How we doing? Dr. Ray Carr. How's everyone doing today? And again, special guest, um, MSI Director of Hitting, Nick Tordero. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Um, today we're going to talk about, we're going to pepper Nick with questions because we're just going to ask him about the current state of hitting, um, some of the things, some of the, some of the common questions he gets, some of the things he sees, some of his philosophies, and how, um, again, we kind of bring everything together between um, physical therapy, rehab, performance, and then on to the skill coaches who are a huge part of what makes um, both the PT and the performance side successful. They make us look good. Um, so, Nick, we have a couple questions for you. Do you mind if we start? No, let's have at it. All right. Coach Rob. So, I think my first question, you know, you see this a lot on TV and a lot of people are talking about it is, is the infamous launch angle. Mm-hmm. So, just explain like what launch angle is. Explain, you know, how you utilize it if you utilize it at all, um, and how it's changing the game today. So, uh, before we, I think, get right into that one, I think current state of hitting. If we go overall blanket here, uh, it's certainly changing. You know, if we look at the way things were taught, even a few years ago. Um, you're getting a lot of different swings like people I remember when I was in high school or start of college it was like make contact in any way possible and now if we look at it guys are like all right how the heck do I hit this ball out every single time right I'm trying to swing as hard as I can to optimize the or get my a swing off and and what numbers can get me over the fence um, so launch angle is, and the, the best thing that I've seen on this all season, people think launch angle is what the swing looks like or how the swing attacks the baseball, where it's not that at all. Launch angle is basically the angle of which the ball is launched off the bat, right? And how do we get that launch angle, that number, that degree to go higher or you know, the best way I explain this during our eval process, whenever we eval kids coming in for PDP, um, is it's off of our attack angle. So then attack angle, this is a big definition here. So attack angle is basically after I start my swing, how am I attacking the baseball? That's right. So whenever I attack the baseball, off of that comes launch angle. Right. So when I have guys that swing harder you know they're able to have a higher exit velocity or or a lower exit velocity that really determines what their launch angle should be so younger guys they might want to have a launch angle in the 15 20 degrees right older guys that can swing the bat really really well and they can hit the ball harder they might want a launch angle higher than that why because it gives them a better chance to get a better result, right? You see all these guys that they're able to hit the ball over 100 miles an hour consistently, 
So why wouldn't they try and give themselves the best chance to get on base or clear the bases? Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a big that's a big misconception is that it's just a just a measurement. Exactly. It's a measurement. It's not a way to swing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think my next question for you is, you know, I've seen you use a lot of uh, plyo care balls or soft spongy balls. Yep. Um, just explain, like, you know, first of all, what they are, why you're utilizing them, and you know how that will help shape someone's someone's swing. So plyo care balls are much like what you're saying. They're like a rubber ball filled with basically sand, right? And the reason I use them or a lot of facilities that I see using them is if we piggyback off of launch angle or or how the way kids attack the baseball, if they go to hit a plyo ball and they swing down on the ball, right? So they're swinging down and they go to hit this ball, well, it's going to look egg-shaped and it's actually going to roll backwards, right? The point of the weight on the inside and it for it being rubber is so it takes that egg shape, right? So if kids learn to square the ball up, and it's, it's really having kids do it when they're not knowing what they're doing. It's not you sitting there saying, all right, well, you got to swing up now or you got to change this about your swing. It's them being able to do it and see the reaction from the ball and being like, oh, why isn't this going as far as I want it to? Mm-hmm. Right? Or the why ball's is the coach. Exactly. You say nothing. Exactly. They self-organize. Exactly. Right? So why isn't the ball going where I want it to? I might tell them, I might flip them a ball and say, hey, hit it over the L screen. Right? L screen's 15, 20 feet away. And they can't do it. Well, why do you think that is? Right? Well, if we really dive into it, I could be swinging down or I could be swinging severely up. And now I'm not optimizing the way that I'm hitting this ball and it's not taking the same shapes as a regular baseball to be able to get it to fly the way I want it to. Right. So as you said, it really does coach, you know, the player. Does it does it matter like the weight of the ball? Is there a, is there a certain weight? Uh <clears throat> so for younger guys I'll switch them around. Older guys not really. Like they should be able to drive through each and every, you know, weight that you throw at them. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I noticed, and I've gotten a few different types of weighted balls, that I've gotten ones that are harder, and they don't really take that, that shape. They don't really give in to the bat, right? So that one's a little bit more difficult, especially for younger guys. And, and the good thing with using them for younger guys, too, is you can have them finishing their swing. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen tons of kids come in where, you know, they swing – but as soon as they make contact, they think it's over. So, like, getting them to finish through the actual plyo ball is teaching them good habits as well, mm-hmm. right? So the different weights could be a factor, um, but I think it really depends on the age group. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, my next question for you is I feel like – and, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I'll, maybe, like, five years ago, mm-hmm. hitting off a machine was maybe frowned upon. Maybe something that you wouldn't do as a higher level hitter. Yep. And now I feel like it's coming into more, it's becoming a lot more popular. Yeah. Partly do because I feel like a lot of players need to see higher velo. Yep. So just, I'd love to, love to hear your thoughts on, on machine, pitching machines for hitters and, you know, maybe you're using it for off-speed pitches or, you know, just thoughts on pitching machines and 
how that's going to help develop your swing. Yeah. So, as you said, pitching machines, I, I, my younger self, was never a fan of them. Like, I always hated going inside and seeing machines and, and knowing, all right, well, I'm hitting off a machine again. It's not going to be, you know, what I want. I'm not going to see this. Probably due to timing, right? Exactly. That, that was right. the issue. Right. So, so you know, it like, yep. it's going to mess up your timing. You can't time the ball up. It's not the same as seeing it out of a hand. Yep. All that, right? That yep. was the. Absolutely. That was the, I guess the con of having fish machines. Absolutely. Right? But nowadays we look at it and it's like, how can I challenge guys? How can I simulate what they're going to see? And you look at just professional hitters now. It doesn't matter what level of professional baseball you're at. You're seeing ninety two plus on the regular so how the heck are we going to sit there and simulate that and it doesn't matter if i'm five ten feet away from i can throw it as hard as i can you're not simulating that same thing right so the only way that you can do that and the same thing with breaking balls or or whatever you're planning on hitting how can you simulate that same thing how can you challenge these guys to you know when they get into a game later on that night or later on the season how are they going to be ready for it? You know, I got this now where our 15, 16, 17-year-olds just went down to Florida for a big tournament. Yeah. And then they're seeing, even if it's 85 to 88 to 90, well, you know, thankfully I had a machine in here that was able to simulate a little bit higher speed than what I'm able to. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it, yes, they were ready for that. Now on the flip side, breaking balls. Now they see breaking balls and it's like, all right, what do I do with this? Right, so that's that's also adding on to it. Right, you see all these these MLB teams or minor league teams now, and and they're training that. Like you're seeing them do BP, and now it's not just feel good BP. And what I mean by feel good BP is someone basically lobs it in, or you're getting it thrown in there, and it's like, how far can I hit this? Can I hit it wherever I want to? Now you're getting challenging, you know, BP before the game, mm-hmm. and they don't care if you're swinging and missing they don't care if it's ground ball here ground ball there they're challenging you to to basically see what you're going to get in the game yeah i think i mean like i think we would relate that to training and rehab it's like yes. I, I wouldn't like if i'm going to have someone compete let's say powerlifting with a straight bar deadlift i wouldn't keep them at a kettlebell deadlift for their training why why, why would we you know i guess regress or do a simpler task Yep. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's related to a lot of like motor control and learning. Yes. A lot of skill acquisition type stuff where if you're if you're only practicing one thing, you're not actually practicing the actual task at hand. How are you going to get better at? Yep. And uh, go ahead. That that's something I've gained a greater appreciation for just being here is the amount of work baseball players put in in you can't just go and hit straight fastballs all day you have to work on these different aspects of of hitting or pitching and and learning the different types of swings or pitches or and seeing all these different things and then as much as you prepare for in here three four hours a day you get to the game and it's completely different too yeah absolutely but um i've gained a greater appreciation for that and the work that baseball players put in and just learning these different types of things it's pretty awesome yeah and i think if we look at just challenging guys and doing a high velocity round just say at the end of their at the end of their day whenever they come in with me they might be in with me for 30 minutes they could be in for an hour but doing a a high velocity round it it challenges them and it puts their their movements to the test right if you're not challenging them 
and you're constantly giving them front toss or tee work or something very easy for them to continually do those same movements, but you never really challenge them afterwards, you don't get that same result in a game. They go back, everyone will go back and do the same thing that they were successful at before to just hit the baseball, right? So if you're never challenging them with those high velos or or putting them in very uncomfortable situations, they will co- they will continue to do the same thing that they feel they were successful at. So every time that you try to change or or make them more efficient in doing you know whatever movement that you're looking to do, they will never accomplish that. They will never want to do those movements in a game because they'll just revert right back to right. what they did I, before. I, think I, I like the high velo stuff too, Nick, because it gets kids to fail. Yes. And I feel like we might have talked about this too in the past. Like, learning to fail, I think, is a very big thing, especially in baseball. You know, you, like, you fail a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you can't take the failure, you're not going to be a successful ball player. Yep. And if you're, all you're doing is just front toss and tee work, like, they're going to feel like they're having a great day. But then they go to the game or the weekend, and they go 0 for 8. I mean, like, that's rough. Yep. And that's, so, and that's why you're looking at those minor league teams, and, and they're doing this high velo, or they're doing these – these nasty curveballs or sliders or whatever it is off the machines, they don't care if you fail because what are you, you're looking to succeed one, two on a great night, three, four, five times at the plate, right? That's not going to happen consistently. Like you look at the best hitters in the game, right? Those guys aren't consistently being successful. It's they're having one for three, one for four. So they don't care if before the game they're peppering you with all this high velo or, or nasty stuff, right? They don't care about that. They just want you to be able to see it. So that way when you do get to the game, it's not unfamiliar. So that when you're in the box, you're you're ready to go for whatever's being thrown at you. I mean, I think, too, like one thing that, that we see a lot is like people come in with like tight hips. Or yep. they're, they're limited in hip IR. They're, you know, their hips are they're just sagittal plane monsters. You know, we see a lot of... Um, athletes come in that are hurt or you know have hip labrum issues or whatever it might be um from a from a swing standpoint like if if i'm sure you've seen kids come in with tight hips yep. you know, whether i told you or you've seen it before i told you yep wh- what 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 do you see in the swing that tells you like hey like something's going on in their hips or their something's lacking in range of motion or something's not moving properly there so i think when it finally sunk into me it was i did an eval with you and you point out, I always thought, you know, I was pretty flexible. And then I did, you know, some movements with you and I found out my hips stunk. Right. And then I realized and looked at, you know, my swing because that's an easy way for me to kind of see what's going on. And I've, I've known my swing inside and out for however long. And I see what I'm doing to overcompensate for the lack of mobility in my hips. Right. So if I look at guys now, I see you know, their front side rolling over or their front foot's opening way too big or they step out like they would call stepping in the bucket. Just any way to compensate for their lack of mobility in their hips that they're trying to open those hips as before they go so that way they can still try and do the same movement patterns. Yeah, what's up with um the front foot and it rolling over? I feel like, I mean, back when I played, I just, I don't know, I, and I was a catcher. I never remember seeing that. Now, I feel like I see it almost with, you know, every. A lot of guys do it. Yeah. Um, I I would even do it too, where 
I don't know if that's I don't think that's something you can teach right it's just I think whenever you go to force your hips so fast and so hard that something has to give to it right like I I've tried this movement so many times in the cage where I could try and keep my foot planted and rotate my hips as fast as I possibly could well something has to give for me right and instead of it being my entire upper body falling forward or doing something that would cause my my bat barrel to get out of the zone or do something unusual I think the smallest thing for the body to give would be that ankle to roll right so that way my hips can then open more than what I wanted them to right if I it's funny because I I look at a lot of golfers right and if if you look at them they they all do something funky where it's they go to use their hips and it's either like pop up so like they get up on their toes or you can start to see their front foot roll a little bit they're not fully opening up you know it's not a it's not a huge backswing with it but you'll see their their front leg or their front foot to open a little bit to give their hips more room to move I'm, Nick, I'm curious. You were talking about the mindset of failing, and Rob, you brought it up too. Do you ever, and this might be because I have no experience in ever playing baseball, mm-hmm. right? And but do you, if if a guy goes 0 for 12 over a weekend, yep. do you ever bring him in on a Monday and give him like those feel good batting practices where he can just make contact to feel contact with the ball and get him in a in a different headspace, or will you just kind of keep peppering him with you know those difficult pitches to? to continue to give him practice in the things that he wasn't hitting? I will because the big thing is confidence, right? So a lot of kids lack confidence in the fact that when they go up there, if they don't have confidence, they're already beaten, right? This, Like we said, this game's a, a game of failure that if they're going in there and they're they're failing every single time and they don't have the confidence and, and they, they just get up there and they're doing the same thing over and over again, right? Where are they getting out of that rut? Right? Like you need to be able – and that's the – huge part about coaches is you need to be able to get them to perform at their highest levels and be confident the entire time right but my thing with with guys they could be going 0 for 12 I have guys that on my 16 year old team that haven't had a hit yet right so how do you keep them focused or or going throughout the same thing all season also it's it's getting them to understand that this is a game of failure like this will happen throughout your career, right? And the quicker that they acknowledge this situation, the better off they're going to be not only in baseball but in life, right? Because you could fail a hundred times, right? Say you look at a a guy selling whatever down the street. Well, how many times are you going to get a yes? One out of a hundred, five times out of a hundred. It, it that's a very small percentage. So baseball is teaching guys that failure's okay. But I still got to get up there and, and give everything I have for the next one and just be confident in my ability to hit the baseball. Right? And that's the, that's the great piece about it, too. I could have guys that go over 12, but they hit the baseball hard 12 times. Right. So for me, they did everything, every single thing that I wanted them to do. Right. But not having a positive outcome. Right. They could. Yeah, it's, it's an extremely <clears throat> tough thing. It's tough. And then where does it fall into, like, if you're giving them those feel-good batting practices, does that change the swing if they're just trying to hit it out of the park every time versus, you know, the swing that's coming across um, 
you know, during the more difficult pitches? Because uh, you'll have guys that won't do a home run derby, right? Because they'll feel like it, it ruins their swing. Normally I won't. Um, but I'll, I'll also have guys that, if I say get some, like they know what it means by go ahead and let it loose. Right? Like I, I love it when young kids come in because they're always so tentative and they don't want to swing as hard as they possibly can. Or people have told them, like, oh, just make contact with the ball. Where I'm trying to get them out of that, I I want them to go outside of their body and and let everything just as loose as possible. Be athletic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't want robots. No. Like yep. And and I I try to teach this every single day where the drills that I'm I'm giving guys it's be an athlete up there, right? Yeah, you know baseball is not the most athletic sport, but you're seeing now that there's more and more athletes coming into the game, right? So be an athlete in the box. I always use this as an example with. You know, with guys getting in position to swing, I'll use ba- or I'll use basketball, right? Basketball is a really athletic sport, and you don't use anything other than your body, right? So when someone goes to jump or whenever you go to guard someone, they all get into the same position. Like knees are a little bit bent, feet shoulder width apart. They're able to slide their feet for defense. They're able to jump. They're able to do the things that they want to with their body. I'll ask, I'll ask kids this. I said why don't we get into something similar of a position whenever we go to hit, right? Whenever we get ready to swing the bat, we should be in some sort of athletic position to allow our body to do those things that we want it to, right? If we're not getting into those positions, we're acting like robots. Yep. Uh, What about tracking? I know, I mean, going way back when I played, that was something that was big, whether it was – you know, bunning to see the ball, whether it was, you know, marking up balls with dots and, you know, you guys still doing stuff like that or what kind of new stuff is out there for that? Oh, yeah. So, uh, like I said, for my younger guys, I will – I'll give them two or three rounds of, of, like, pitch recognition. So I'll throw different pitches to them because they've never seen it before. I'll have 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds that don't see change-ups on the regular or they don't see curveballs on the regular. So now you're getting them to see – all these different types of pitches and it gets them used to it right and it's much like the same thing with the machine like I've had a ton of kids come in and say I'm afraid to hit off the machine right why because it's so unfamiliar to them and the more familiar you get them to swing it off of it right it's it's going to be better off for them in the future because you're not going to have people throwing 95 in the cages every day or or curveballs every day the more that they see these these smaller things the better off they're going to be in the future so like different tracking things with you know pitches we can definitely do dots on the ball with different colors or or just getting them to call out those pitches is going to be better for them and then i have uh, one other question mm-hmm. how's this how's the launch angle and these new hitting approaches changing the way pitchers approach hitters oh man like pitchers are so good so i've been told that now like <laughs> so before like it was always keep the ball down yep. right yep but now isn't that playing into launch angle don't they want the ball down for a launch angle so if you're mike trout yes because he hits low pitches really really well gotcha. um but it it really doesn't matter guys that are throwing now that you're seeing throw they're throwing harder they're you're seeing some disgusting pitches like just watch the postseason going on. You'll see some of the nastiest pitches that you've ever seen. And then you're sitting there, and and, and I've played, you know, professional baseball, and, and you'll hear, you know, guys outside of it 
where they're like, oh, come on, like, why didn't you see that? Or why didn't you hit it? It is so tough. You're reacting to something in a split second that you don't know which way it's going to go. Like, there, are, I've seen a, a ton of pitch overlays where a guy could have three or four different pitches, and all three of them end up going a different way. So how are you supposed to pick up other than, you know, we saw Alex Bregman last week get tipped on a pitch where he saw Tyler Glass now, you know, hold his glove differently so he's able to see a curveball or, or a fastball come. Other than that, you can't see until it's almost halfway there or unless you're able to recognize out of the hand really, really well what is coming. So it is so difficult. And now, yes, if we look at the way launch angle or, or guys' swings are trying to be a little bit different here, pitchers could attack the top of the zone because they could think, all right, well, this guy is trying to get underneath the ball, right? If I attack the top of the zone with forcing fastballs and throw 100 you know, miles an hour, I could do that, right? But like I said, these guys that are playing on the postseason, just in the major league in general, they're the best out there. So they're going to find a way to hit whatever pitch that you're going to throw. Cool. Well, thank you, Nick. That about does it for Training Room Talk today. Um, again, look up Nick Todaro um, for any of your hitting needs. Absolutely. Yeah, Nick, do you want to tell them how they can contact you? Uh, so you can contact me uh, on Instagram. I mean, call into Maple Zone. You can give me a call. Uh, always out there for, for anyone that needs help. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, so just Nick Todaro, N-I-C-K-T-O-D-E-R-O. Awesome. Thank you. Um, as always, please spread the word. If you like what we're putting out, please share it with your friends. Also, keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks. We're actually going to be launching um, pre-made programs, online training, and mentorship models um, to help all, help all you um, students, therapists, and kind of incorporating our model of um, physical therapy, blending with strength and conditioning. Um, so keep an eye out for that over the next couple of weeks. Um, and again, if you have any questions or want any topics you want us to discuss, please email me, John Herding, at J-H-E-R-T-I-N-G at the training room PT .com. Until next time, guys. Thanks.